Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Sunday evening as we are sitting down to record this. After most of Sunday's action has taken place, we've still got Cowboys and Vikings ahead of us. But we're going to go ahead and look beyond that, beyond the Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Giants, and start getting you ready for Week 9 waivers on this episode. Michael Beller, Derek Van Riper here with you. Derek, you have a spooky Halloween out there on the West Coast? Uh, there was a neighbor of ours that actually has Halloween for dogs set up out in front of their patio. So they yeah. had uh, a bowl of biscuits and then they had a bowl of small tennis balls for the little dogs. They had a, a bowl of full-size <laughs> tennis balls for the bigger dogs walking by. So uh, not spooky at all. Actually, very friendly and uh, obviously Hazel loved it. Yeah, that is beautiful. That is just man, that's that's awesome. It's, there's so many different ways to celebrate. That is a, a great way to do it for sure. Were there other? Were there a ton of dogs running around out there? No, nah, this was early in the afternoon. It was only like one o'clock. They had this sitting out all day. So I, I think we're recording probably at the beginning of trick or treat out here. I imagine there's probably yeah. a lot of people out right now. <laughs> Oh man, that is uh, that's probably a really cute scene to see for sure. Um, uh, over overdoing that with all the, it's, it, there's really nothing better than dogs in costumes. That's just uh, one of the one of the sweetest things you could see on Halloween evening. Uh, there's also plenty of sweet things you could see on the waiver wire this week. It's it's shaping up to be a decent week. DVR. Let's jump in at the running back position. Let's start in Philadelphia, where we saw Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both get 12 carries. Both scored two touchdowns in the Eagles. Just absolute drubbing of the Lions, 44-6. to Boston Scott, we expected. Jordan Howard, maybe not so much. Obviously, this team is not going to have this sort of script week in and week out. But how are you uh, sizing up these Eagles backs going into waiver time? I don't know. This seems like a big bag of candy corn, this backfield. It, it just it, – it, 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 okay, it's against the Lions for one. Mm-hmm. And mm. – I know I have some egg on my face because I thought the Lions might actually get their first win of the season in this spot, and they got destroyed, so that's out the window. But Kenneth Gainwell was a ghost until the Eagles had a huge lead. That was weird. I thought Gainwell was probably going to be the lead back with Boston Scott in the complimentary role. I don't want to read too much into this. I know the Chargers, who the Eagles have next week, have been very generous to opposing running backs, so it could be another decent week for maybe one of those backs, but are we really going to sit here and say that Jordan Howard is worth picking up in any sort of league that has, I don't know, fewer than 14 teams, and even that seems like it's Mm -hmm. being generous? Like, If there's a pickup here, it's definitely Boston Scott. Yes. And I still don't think I have more than like a flex sort of expectation for him most weeks. We do have four teams on bye in week nine, so maybe that bumps him up just into that RB2 mix, but... I'm really skeptical of this offense outside of Jalen Hurts and long-term, of course, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like Those three guys, mm-hmm. I kind of trust their roles and what they've been doing. The backfield, the other pass catchers, I'm trying to avoid them wherever I can. 
I'm, I'm interested enough in Boston Scott. We knew he was going to play a larger role this week, and then he comes out and is just immediately the starter. They don't even think about using Gainwell. Scott got the first carry. Scott got the first touchdown. Like, I'm interested enough in him, especially since they they the Eagles don't have their bye for the next couple of weeks. So you're talking about potentially usable weeks over these next three. You mentioned that we've got four teams on bye in Week 9. That's the Lions, Washington, Buccaneers, and Seattle. And then in Week 10, four more teams, Bears, Bengals, Texans, and Giants. Like, yeah, Boston Scott could work into the mix there. He's really no more than a depth back, but I do think uh, there's enough here with uh, Miles Sanders almost certainly going to be missing those games. I think for Boston Scott to find his way onto a fantasy roster and then maybe from there he finds his way into a fantasy starting lineup. I'm with you on Howard. This was really a script sort of thing with the way this game went. The Eagles jumping out to a monster lead and never looking back. It's very important to remember that it was Boston Scott early. And the the very few parts of this game where the result was in doubt, Boston Scott was the guy in the backfield for Philly, not Jordan Howard. So that's something to keep in mind. I think Jordan Howard is a deeper league play. Boston Scott, though, I think he should be able to find his way onto teams. And you know, I'm talking somewhere in the, um, I don't know, maybe maybe $5-ish range uh, is what I'd be doing for Boston Scott, especially if I were running back needy. I think he can help out some teams over these next couple of weeks. Can Carlos Hyde do the same DVR? James Robinson suffered a heel injury in the Jaguars, lost to the Seahawks, did not return. Um, maybe he would have been able to had this game been in any sort of doubt in the second half, but the Seahawks had it well in hand. Uh, Carlos Hyde, we would assume, takes over the starting role in a situation where James Robinson is forced to miss some time. How interested are you in him going to the wire? I think I prefer Scott to Hyde because I think Scott has a better path to three down sort of function, whereas Hyde, I have doubts about him being used a lot as a pass catcher. And the schedule is not easy for the Jags coming up these next couple of weeks. They're home against Buffalo. They go on the road to face the Colts. That could be tough sledding bad game scripts for Carlos Hyde as well. So I think he's more of like a 3 to $5 sort of guy, 5 being the high-end sort of bit if you're really desperate, if you're in those deeper leagues. Uh, I just think James Robinson is unique with their personnel group in terms of how he can be used. Carlos Hyde probably doesn't just take on the James Robinson role. If he did, I'd be a lot more interested. This is an offense that also laid a pretty big egg in. Yes. I, I think I know Seattle's a difficult place to play, but as far as matchups go, that was not a difficult matchup for the Jacksonville offense, and they really came out and flopped in Week 8. Yeah, one of the biggest disappointments, I think, in Week 8. No shame in losing that game, but losing it the ban- in the manner in which they did. I think there's a, a real big stink uh, on them after that one. So I, I'm not really too excited by Carlos Hyde, to be honest. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not like he just steps right into what James Robinson does for this team. So there's going to be a difference in the role. And then you just don't have quite the player that James Robinson is filling in that role. So not someone who I'm really going after with any sort of interest. It would be, you know, a you know sort of a $1 thing, maybe a $2 thing, throw him on the end of my bench if I have running back needs. And that's really the only situation in which I'm interested in Carlos Hyde and probably, as you said, deeper leagues as well. I think you can make an argument for Jarrett Patterson being semi-interesting this week. Uh, you know, like so he goes into this game uh, against the Broncos on Washington, clearly behind Antonio Gibson on the depth chart, but we've been waiting for this. And Jake Seeley has been talking about this uh, quite a bit on our podcast saying, if you've got a roster spot, just throw Patterson in there because 
the uh, Washington could decide at any time to shut things down with Antonio Gibson dealing with that stress fracture in his shin. And maybe, just maybe, we saw the first signs of that in the loss to the Broncos on Sunday because Antonio Gibson had eight carries for 34 yards. Jared Patterson, 11 for 46. I think Carlos Hyden, for example, steps into a much more meaningful role right away or has a better shot if James Robinson is injured to be in a more meaningful role immediately than Jared Patterson. I think there's no doubt that Jared Patterson has more rest of season ceiling because if Washington does ultimately say we're two and six, we're not doing anything, this stress fracture just needs rest to heal, maybe we shut it down for Antonio Gibson for a month, then Jared Patterson could be in a really nice spot. Yeah, I think what's challenging is that with a buy-in week nine, we might not get information to that end until we're prepping for week 10. So you have to kind of make that speculative move now if you think that's a possibility. How shallow of a league are you willing to try rostering Jarrett Patterson in right now? I mean, so I've got the the first one that comes to mind that I play in, just uh, to give you all out there an example, would be this 12-teamer that we start two backs, two receivers, two flexes, plus a super flex position. And so it's a relatively deep league, and that's where that's the first league that I play in where Jared Patterson would be someone who would be on my radar. And just traditional, like, one QB, two backs, three receivers, and one flex, I don't think he quite registers in that sort of format just yet. Right. I mean, because I think part of the problem is that J.D. McKissick is there to catch plenty of passes. You could give mm-hmm. him a handful of carries. So it really is a t- it's like a 12 to 15 carry sort of role at best yeah. for Patterson without a lot of pass catching responsibilities. That makes him really game script dependent. It's a lot like we talked about you know, with the Eagles backs. Week 10, they got Tampa Bay. Week 11, they've got Carolina. Week 12, they've got Seattle, if it turns into something like that. So there are some Mm -hmm. spots later on this year where I'd be interested. But yeah, I think it's got to be a really deep league like you described if I'm going to make that move now with them being on bye in week 9. And then if he if he does ultimately become a starter, he falls into that huge group of running backs that we talk about. Uh, the first guys who come to mind in this group for me are like Alex Collins, uh, Melvin Gordon a little bit, uh, guys like that who we are. James Conner, great example of this sort of player who it's like you're basically crossing your fingers and hoping for a touchdown. You feel pretty confident that he's going to get like 40 yards from scrimmage, and then you just cross your fingers and hope for a touchdown. And if he scores, it's a nice game. If he doesn't, it's a bad game. That's probably where we would have to slot Patterson if and when he was taking on some sort of starter share in Washington. Let's uh, let's bump up to the wide receiver position for a couple of guys here at DVR. First, I just want to clear the decks with some guys we talked about last week. Rashad Bateman, Ravens were on a bye this week. Don't forget about him if he's available in your league. He's played two games this season, six targets in both of them. He should have a big role for uh, Baltimore right off the bat. Michael Gallup, not going to play tonight against the Vikings, but almost certainly will come off IR for the Cowboys in Week 9. Let's remember, he was going to have a big role right from the jump for this team. Got hurt in Week 1. We haven't seen him since. Cowboys have already had their bye as well, so you won't have to worry about that with Michael Gallup the rest of the season. For guys who did play in Week 8, Let's start with Devontae Parker. 11 targets, 8 catches, 85 yards in Miami's loss to the Bills. We just need him to stay healthy. I think if he stays healthy, DVR, he's someone who's going to be in the wide receiver 3-4 mix the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think at least with Tua, you have a reason to believe the Miami offense can sustain three pass catchers week to week. That's pretty exciting. And Parker... Time and time again, when healthy, sits in that 8-plus target range. 
was averaging eight targets per game coming in. Mm-hmm. The schedule is actually really good late in the year. There's a few spots in between now and then that are also going to be good streaming opportunities, but with bye weeks, with injuries, all the things are going to pile up between now and the time you get to that fantasy playoff range. He's probably going to be a steady wide receiver three with upside for a bit more. So I do like Devontae Parker in those shallow leagues where he's available. I'm not worried about you know, Jalen Waddell possibly having a breakout. I'm not worried about a healthy Mike Gesicki being out there too because they still look like a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot. So there's going to be enough volume for Parker, Waddell, and Gesicki to produce. Not the best game from Tua today, but we've seen a decent amount from him over the last few weeks. I think we can also give him something of a pass. Not great weather conditions. They were two touchdown underdogs going up against a good defense in Buffalo. Like Tua's not the only quarterback in the NFL who is going to struggle in the scenario that was placed in front of him against the Bills on Sunday. So I think we can give him a little bit of credit for that. So long as he plays, you know, like QB 20-ish the rest of the way. We're going to have, I think you're going to be able to use all those guys. You're going to be able to use Parker along with Waddle and Kasicki the way that we've been using them. So plenty of volume, as you said, in this passing game going forward. A couple of Jets to talk about here. We should say Corey Davis, of course, missed the surprise win. We've been waiting for it, DVR. You and I talk Survivor every Wednesday. We finally had that big one. Bengals get upset by the Jets. Ten and a half point underdogs. They win it outright. Corey Davis didn't play. Jamison Crowder and Elijah Moore, they did play. Jamison Crowder, excuse me, nine targets, eight for 84. Elijah Moore, six targets, caught them all for 67 yards. We know Corey Davis, right when he gets back on the field, boom, just like that, he is the wide receiver one for this team. But maybe there's enough. A deeper league, certainly for Crowder, and maybe for Moore as well. This is a guy we were really excited about in the summer. There's enough here, I think, to make both these guys interesting on the wire this week. Yeah, I mean, I think if Davis misses additional time, especially, I'd be comfortable throwing more out there, possibly in week nine. I think Crowder's a little more stable for me because he's the the intermediate option running so many routes out of the slot. And whether it's, you know, Mike White beyond week nine or they go back to Zach Wilson at some point, I, I don't think I don't think the way he's utilized changes a lot in based on who they're playing at quarterback. So the only other thing you think about with Jamison Crowder, the traded lines coming up. Is he still going to be with the Jets, or is he going to end up in a more crowded situation, or is he going to end up in a better situation? So I do see a few paths for Crowder to pick up more value here over the course of the second half of the season. I think it was a a process-related call for us. If we had doubts about the Bengals going into this week, I couldn't see it. I couldn't imagine the script that played out on Sunday, so I ended up sticking with the Bengals. So I took a a strike in Survivor. Not real happy about it, but um, yeah, I mean... Who'd have thought Mike White was going to throw for 400 yards? Like, is there something there in, in anything more than super flex leagues? I, there, there is not. But like, I mean, what a what a game and what a perform. I mean, the, the Bengals were up 11 points with four and a half minutes left in that game. I mean, that that was a game that the Bengals <laughs> never quite pulled away. But once they got that 31 to 20 lead, it was like, all right, you know, water's finding its level. Nice little fight from uh, from the Jets here, and then. They get those two scores late, a bad interception by Joe Burrow, first play after that first touchdown that cut it to 31-26, bad interception from Joe Burrow, they go, they score right away again, and pull off the upset so no I, I don't think there's I mean there's certain there's something to every quarterback in Superflex. so Mike White's got some value there uh, but no I don't think there's anything here this is just uh, the vagaries of the sport that we love so much and uh Nice game for the Jets, but not going to be predictive of where the Jets and Mike White are going, I think, in the immediate future here. One more guy who I want us to hit on before we wrap this up. It's Dan Arnold, DVR, the uh, Jaguars, making great use of him yet again at 10 targets in the loss to the Seahawks. Caught eight for 68 yards. 
23 targets in the last three games. He is a fixture in this Jacksonville offense. And that right there, you tell me a tight end's going to get seven targets a game. He matters in the fantasy world. Yeah, I mean, he's probably back of the top 10, even with that volume, just because of the inconsistency of Jacksonville's offense and actually putting points on the board with that sort of volume definitely plays. Clearly, they saw something they liked in him when they made that deal to get him a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. Uh, I didn't expect the usage to be quite like this, but also that injury to DJ Chark earlier this year did leave a a void target share-wise in this offense. And yeah, they can do more with Arnold at that tight end spot than they were doing with James O'Shaughnessy and some of the other guys they've been trotting out there. So definitely viable, at least in 12-team leagues. So just looking at um, fantasy points, half PPR leagues at the tight end position, uh, this is coming into this week because you know the, the stats obviously haven't updated just yet with this game with these games all just happening today. Um, so your tight end eight is Noah Fant. Nine is Darren Waller. Obviously, there's been some injuries there. Ten, CJ Uzama. Eleven, Hunter Henry. Twelve, Zach Ertz. Like... Other than obviously Waller, I think I'd I, 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 give me Arnold over Fant, give me Arnold over Uzama, give me Arnold over Hunter Henry, give me Arnold over Zach Ertz, give me Arnold over Tyler Higby. Like, there's a lot of guys in here that people are trotting out as starters that I, I'm easily, easily taking Dan Arnold over. Yeah, and you expect this team every single week to have to throw it 35 plus times because they're so bad. So that keeps the volume stable. Like, he's going to benefit from how bad they are as they continue through this rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Arnold, I think, going to be someone who, if you grab him, you're going to be happy starting him the rest of the season. We can't say that about a ton of Jaguars, but we can't say that about Big DA. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. If you still need things, if you're listening to this right now and so you know, uh, Cowboys Vikings still going on, if you're looking for something in there, we're cheering for you. Chiefs Giants on Monday Night Football. If you need anything there to get your W, we are at your back as well. Thanks so much for joining us. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. Good luck the rest of the week. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. 